0: Chapter Fifteen of Erewhon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Grant Peterson. Erewhon by Samuel Butler. Chapter Fifteen The Musical Banks. On my return to the drawing room, I found that the Mahina current had expended itself. The ladies were just putting away their work and preparing to go out. I asked them where they were going. They answered with a certain air of reserve that they were going to the bank to get some money. Now I had already collected that the mercantile affairs of the Erewhonians were conducted on a totally different system from our own. I had, however, gathered little hitherto except that they had two distinct commercial systems, of which one appealed more strongly to the imagination than anything to which we are accustomed in Europe, inasmuch as the banks that were conducted upon this system were decorated in the most profuse fashion, and all mercantile transactions were accompanied with music, so that they were called musical banks though the music was hideous to a european ear as for the system itself i never understood it neither can i do so now they have a code in connection with it which i have not the slightest doubt that they understand but no foreigner can hope to do so One rule runs into, and against another, in as most complicated grammar, or as in Chinese pronunciation, wherein I am told that the slightest change in accentation or tone of voice alters the meaning of a whole sentence. Whatever is incoherent in my description must be referred to the fact of my never having attained a full comprehension of the subject. So far however as i could collect anything certain i gathered that they have two distinct currencies each under the control of its own banks and mercantile codes one of these the one with the musical banks was supposed to be the system, and to give out the currency in which all monetary transactions should be carried on. And as far as I could see, all who wished to be considered respectable, kept a larger or smaller balance at these banks. On the other hand, if there is one thing of which I am more than sure than the other, it is that the amount so kept had no direct commercial value in the outside world. I am sure that the managers and cashiers of the musical banks were not paid in their own currency. Mr. Nosnabor used to go to these banks, or rather to the great mother bank of the city, sometimes but not very often. He was a pillar of one of the other kind of banks, though he appeared to hold some minor office also in the musical ones. The ladies generally went alone, as indeed was the case in most families, except on state occasions. I had long wanted to know more of this strange system, and had the greatest desire to accompany my hostess and her daughters. I had seen them go out almost every morning since my arrival, and had noticed that they carried their purses in their hands, not exactly ostentatiously, yet just so as those who met them should see whither they were going. I had never, however, yet been asked to go with them myself it is not easy to convey a person's manner by words and i can hardly give any idea of the peculiar feeling that came upon me when i saw the ladies on the point of starting for the bank there was a something of regret a something as though they would wish to take me with them but did not like to ask me and yet as though i were hardly to ask to be taken i was determined however to bring matters to an issue with my hostesses about my going with them and after a little parleying and many inquiries as to whether i was perfectly sure that i myself wished to go it was decided that i might do so we passed through several streets of more or less considerable houses and at last turning around a corner we came upon a large piazza at the end of which was a magnificent building of a strange but noble architecture and of great antiquity. It did not open directly onto the piazza, there being a screen, through which was an archway, and between the piazza and the actual precincts of the bank. On passing under the archway we entered upon a green sward and around which there ran an arcade or cloister, while in front of us uprose the majestic towers of the bank and its venerable front Which was divided into three steep recesses and adorned with all sorts of marbles and many sculptures on either side there were beautiful old trees wherein the birds were busy by the hundred and a number of quaint but substantial houses of singularly comfortable appearance they were situated in the midst of orchards and gardens and gave me an impression of great peace and plenty indeed It had been no error to say that this building was one that appealed to the imagination. It did more. It carried both imagination and judgment by storm. It was an epic in stone and marble, and so powerful was the effect it produced on me that as I beheld it I was charmed and melted. I felt more conscious of the existence of a remote past. One knows of this always, but the knowledge is never so living as in the actual presence of some witness to the life of bygone ages. I felt how short a space of human life was the period of our own existence. I was more impressed by my own littleness and much more inclinable to believe that the people whose sense of the fitness of things was equal to the upraising of so serene a handiwork were hardly likely to be wrong in the conclusions they might come to upon any subject my feeling certainly was that the currency of this bank must be the right one we crossed the sward and entered the building if the outside had been impressive the inside was even more so it was very lofty and divided into several parts by walls which rested upon massive pillars the windows were filled with stained glass descriptive of the principal commercial incidents of the bank for many ages in a remote part of the building there were men and boys singing this was the only disturbing feature for as the gamut was still unknown there was no music in the country which could be agreeable to a european ear the singers seemed to have derived their inspirations from the songs of birds and the wailing of the wind which last they tried to imitate in melancholy cadences that at times degenerated into a howl. To my thinking the noise was hideous, but it produced a great effect upon my companions who professed themselves much moved. As soon as the singing was over, the ladies requested me to stay where I was while they went inside the place from which it had seemed to come. During their absence certain reflections forced themselves upon me. In the first place it struck me as strange that the building should be so nearly empty i was almost alone and the few besides myself had been led by curiosity and had no intention of doing business with the bank but there might be more inside i stole up to the curtain and ventured to draw the extreme edge of it on one side no there was hardly anyone there i saw a large number of cashiers all at their desks ready to pay cheques and I saw one or two who seemed to be the managing partners. I also saw my hostess and her daughters, and two or three other ladies, also three or four old women, and boys from one of the neighbouring colleges of unreason. But there was no one else. This did not look as though the bank was doing a very large business, and yet I had always been told that everyone in the city dealt with this establishment. I cannot describe all that took place in these inner precincts for a sinister-looking person in a black gown came and made unpleasant gestures at me for peeping i happened to have in my pocket one of the musical bank pieces which had been given me by mrs noshnabour so i tried to tip him with it but having seen what it was he became so angry that i had to give him a piece of the other kind of money to pacify him when i had done this he became civil directly as soon as he was gone i ventured to take a second look and saw zulora in the very act of giving a piece of paper which looked like a cheque to one of the cashiers he did not examine it but putting his hand into an antique coffer hard by he pulled out a quantity of metal pieces apparently at random and handed them over without counting them neither did zulora count them but put them into her purse, and went back to her seat, after dropping a few pieces of the other coinage into an alms-box that stood by the cashier's side. Mrs. Noshnabor and Orohina then did likewise, but a little later they gave all, so far as I could see, that they had received from their cashier, back to a verger, who, I have no doubt, put it back into the coffer from which it had been taken. They then began making towards the curtain, whereon I let it drop and retreated to a reasonable distance. They soon joined me. For some minutes we all kept silence, but at last I ventured to remark that the bank was not so busy today as it probably often was. On this, Mrs. Noshnabor said that it was indeed melancholy to see what little heed people paid to the most precious of all institutions. I could say nothing in reply, but I have ever been of opinion that the greater part of mankind do approximately know where they get that which does them good. Mrs. Nosnabor went on to say that I must not think that there was any want of confidence in the bank because I had seen so few people there. The heart of the country was thoroughly devoted to these establishments, and any sign of their being in danger would bring in support from the most unexpected quarters. It was only because people knew them to be so very safe, that in some cases, as she lamented to say in Mr. Nochnobor's, that they felt that their support was unnecessary. Moreover, these institutions never departed from the safest and most approved banking principles. Thus. They never allowed interest on a deposit, a thing now frequently done by certain bubble companies, which by doing an illegitimate trade had drawn many customers away. And even the shareholders were fewer than formerly owing to the innovations of these unscrupulous persons for the musical banks paid little or no dividend, but divided their profits by way of a bonus on the original shares once in every 30,000 years and as it was now only 2,000 years since there had been one of these distributions, people felt that they could not hope for another in their own time, and preferred investments whereby they got some more tangible return, all which, she said, was very melancholy to think of. Having made these last admissions, she returned to her original statement, namely, that everyone in the country really supported these banks. As to the fewness of the people, and the absence of the able-bodied she pointed out to me with some justice that this was exactly what we ought to expect the men who are most conversant about the stability of human institutions such as lawyers men of science doctors statesmen painters and the like were just those who were most likely to be misled by their own fancied accomplishments and to be made unduly suspicious by their licentious desire for greater present return which was at the root of nine-tenths of the opposition by their vanity which would prompt them to affect superiority to the prejudices of the vulgar and by the stings of their own conscience which was constantly upbraiding them in the most cruel manner on account of their bodies which were generally diseased let a person's intellect she continued BE NEVER SO SOUND UNLESS HIS BODY IS IN ABSOLUTE HEALTH. HE CAN FORM NO JUDGMENT WORTH HAVING ON MATTERS OF THIS KIND. THE BODY IS EVERYTHING. IT NEED NOT PERHAPS BE SUCH A STRONG BODY, SHE SAID THIS BECAUSE SHE SAW THAT I WAS THINKING OF THE OLD AND INFIRM-LOOKING FOLKS WHO I HAD SEEN IN THE BANK. BUT IT MUST BE IN PERFECT HEALTH. IN THIS CASE, THE LESS ACTIVE STRENGTH IT HAD, THE MORE FREE IT WOULD BE THE WORKING OF THE INTELLECT, AND THEREFORE THE SOUNDER THE CONCLUSION the people then whom i had seen at the bank were in reality the very ones whose opinions were most worth having they declared its advantages to be incalculable and even professed to consider the immediate return to be far larger than they were entitled to and so she ran on nor did she leave off until we had got back to the house she might say what she pleased but her manner carried no conviction And later on, I saw signs of general indifference to these banks that were not to be mistaken. Their supporters often denied it, but the denial was generally so couched as to add another proof of its existence. In commercial panics and in times of general distress, the people as a mass did not so much even think of turning to these banks. A few might do so, some from habit and early training. Some from the instinct that prompts us to catch at any straw when we think ourselves drowning, but few from a genuine belief that the musical banks could save them from financial ruin if they were unable to meet their engagements in the other kind of currency. In conversation with one of the musical bank managers, I ventured to hint that this as plainly as politeness would allow. He said that it had been more or less true until lately. But now that they had put fresh stained-glass windows into all banks in the country, and repaired the buildings, and enlarged the organs, the presidents, moreover, had taken to riding in omnibuses and talking nicely to people in the streets, and to remembering the ages of their children and giving them things when they were naughty, so that all would henceforth go smoothly. But haven't you done anything to the money itself, I said timidly. It is not necessary, he rejoined. Not in the least necessary, I assure you. And yet, any one could see that the money given out at these banks was not that with which people bought their bread, meat, and clothing. It was like it at first glance, and was stamped with designs that were often of great beauty. It was not, again, a spurious coinage made with the intention that it should be mistaken for the money in actual use. It was more like a toy money or the counters used for certain games at cards for notwithstanding the beauty of the designs the material on which they were stamped was as nearly valueless as possible. Some were covered with tin foil but the greater part were frankly of a cheap base metal the exact nature of which I was not able to determine indeed they were made of a great variety of metals or perhaps more accurately alloys some of which were hard while others could bend easily and assume almost any form which their possessor might desire at the moment. Of course, everyone knew that their commercial value was nil, but all those who wished to be considered respectful thought it incumbent upon them to retain a few coins in their possession and to let them be seen from time to time in their hands and purses. Not only this, but they would stick to it that the current coin of the realm was dross in comparison with a musical bank coinage. Perhaps, however, the strangest thing of all was that these very people would at times make fun in small ways of the whole system. Indeed, there was hardly any insinuation against it which they would not tolerate and even applaud in their daily newspapers if written anonymously. Well, if the same thing was said without ambiguity to their faces, nominative case, verb, and of all being in their right places, and doubt impossible, they would consider themselves very seriously and justly outraged, and accuse the speaker of being unwell. I never could understand, neither can I quite do so now, though I began to see better what they mean, why a single currency should not suffice them. It would seem to me as though all their dealings would have been thus greatly simplified but i was met with a look of horror if i ever dared to hint at it even those who to my certain knowledge kept only just enough money at the musical banks to swear by would call the other banks where their securities really lay cold deadening paralyzing and the like i noticed another thing moreover which struck me greatly. I was taken to the opening of one of these banks in a neighboring town, and saw a large assemblage of cassiers and managers. I sat opposite them, and scanned their faces attentively. They did not please me. They lacked with few exceptions the true Erewonian frankness, and an equal number, from any other class, would have looked happier and better men. When I met them in the streets, they did not seem like other people, but had, as a general rule, a cramped expression upon their faces, which pained and oppressed me. Those who came from the country were better. They seemed to have lived less as a separate class and to be freer and healthier. But in spite of my seeing not a few whose looks were benign and noble, I could not help asking myself concerning the greater number of those whom I met, whether Erewhon would be a better country if their expression were to be transferred to the people in general. I answered myself emphatically no the expression on the faces of the high yagra was that which one would wish to diffuse and not that of the cashiers a man's expression is his sacrament it is the outward and visible sign of his inward and spiritual grace or want of grace and as i looked at the majority of these men i could not help feeling that there must be a something in their lives which had stunted their natural development and that they would have been more healthier minded in any other profession i was always sorry for them for in nine cases out of ten they were well-meaning persons they were in the main very poorly paid their constitutions were as a rule above suspicion and there were recorded numberless instances of their self-sacrifice and generosity but they had the misfortune to have been betrayed into a false position at an age for the most part when their judgment was not matured and after having been kept in studied ignorance of the real difficulties of the system. But this did not make their position the less a false one and its bad effects upon them were unmistakable. Few people would speak quite openly and freely before them which struck me as a very bad sign When they were in the room, everyone would talk as though all currency, save that of the musical banks, should be abolished. And yet they knew perfectly well that even the cashiers themselves hardly used the musical bank money more than the other people. It was expected of them that they should appear to do so, but this was all. The less thoughtful of them did not seem particularly unhappy, but many were plainly sick at heart, though Perhaps they hardly knew it, and would not have owned up to being so. Some few were opponents of the whole system, but these were liable to be dismissed from their employment at any moment, and this rendered them very careful, for a man who had once been cashier at a musical bank was out of the field for other employment, and was genuinely unfitted for it by reason of the course of treatment which was commonly called his education. In fact, it was a career from which retreat was virtually impossible, and into which young men were generally induced to enter before they could be reasonably expected, considering their training to have formed any opinions of their own. Not unfrequently, indeed, they were induced by what we in England should call undue influence, concealment, and fraud. Few indeed were those who had the courage to insist on seeing both sides of the question before they committed themselves to what was practically a leap in the dark. One would have thought that the caution in this respect was an elementary principle, one of the first things that an honourable man would teach his boy to understand, but in practice it was not so i even saw cases in which the parents brought the right of presenting to the office of cashier at one of these banks with a fixed determination that some one of their sons perhaps a mere child should fill it there was a lad himself growing up with every promise of becoming a good and honourable man but utterly without warning concerning the iron shoe which his natural protector was providing for him who could say that the whole thing would not end in a lifelong lie and vain chafing to escape. I confess that there were few things in Erewhon which shocked me more than this. Yet we do something not so very different from this even in England, and as regards the dual commercial system, all countries have, and have had, a law of the land, and also another law, which, though professedly more sacred, has far less effect on their daily lives and actions. It seems as though the need for some law over and above, and sometimes even conflicting with the law of the land, must spring from something that lies deep down in man's nature. Indeed, it is hard to think that man could ever have become man at all, but for the gradual evolution of a perception that though this world looms so large when we are in it, it may seem a little thing when we have got away from it. When man had grown to the perception that, in the everlasting, is and is not of nature, the world and all that it contains, including man, is at the same time both seen and unseen, he felt the need of two rules of life, one for the seen and the other for the unseen side of things. For the laws affecting the seen world, he claimed the sanction of seen powers, For the unseen of which he knows nothing save that it exists and it is powerful he appealed to the unseen power of which again he knows nothing save that it exists and is powerful to which he gives the name god some erowonian opinions considering the intelligence of the unborn embryo that i regret my space will not permit me to lay before the reader have led me to conclude that the Erewhonian musical banks, and perhaps the religious systems of all countries, are now more or less of an attempt to uphold the unfathomable and unconscious instinctive wisdom of millions of past generations against the comparatively shallow consciously reasoning and ephemeral conclusions drawn from that of the last thirty or forty. The saving feature of the Erwanian musical bank system, as distinct from the quasi idolatrous views which coexist with it, and on which I will touch later, was that while it bore witness to the existence of a kingdom that is not of this world, it made no attempt to pierce the veil that hides it from human eyes. It is here that almost all religions go wrong. Their priests try to make us believe that they know more about the unseen world than those whose eyes are still blinded by the seen. Can ever know, forgetting that while to deny the existence of an unseen kingdom is bad, to pretend that we know more about it than its bare existence is no better. This chapter is already longer than I had intended. And I would like to say that in spite of the saving feature of which I have just spoken, I cannot help thinking that the Erewhonians are on the eve of some great change in their religious opinions, or at any rate, in that part of them which funds the expression through their musical banks. So far as I could see, fully 90% of the population of the metropolis looked upon these banks with something not far removed from contempt. If this is so, any such startling event as is sure to arise sooner or later may serve as a nucleus to a new order of things that will be more in harmony with both the heads and hearts of the people. End of chapter 15